Um, I, I want to change it a little bit, and uh, we, we've covered we've covered six of the eight uh, things you need to know about faith today. Uh, I want to talk about something that, when it comes to faith, is perhaps one of the most important things. Is how many know faith is from the heart, and our relationship with God is not works; it's not on the outside. You know, liturgy, outward things, doing things, you know, to, to, to symbolize a relationship with God. That's really becoming popular today. But let me just tell you, God never intended outward things to take the place of a personal heart relationship with Him. How many hear me? In fact, when God first created humanity in the Garden of Eden, He put us in a luscious garden. He gave us everything that you could ever imagine he, he gave us things that our eyes could see that are beautiful. Our noses could smell that were just extraordinary. He gave us luscious fruits and all kinds of things to eat that would just tantalize the taste buds. He gave us things that we can feel with our senses because he wanted us to know the invisible God that created you loves you to the core of your being. How many hear me? So we messed it all up, but nonetheless... Liturgy, that is doing outward things to symbolize a relationship with God in a lot of circles today is taking the, has taken place of a, a personal, heartfelt relationship with Jesus. So people kind of, quote, go through the motions, unquote, to do certain things. And uh, I won't even get into all that. It changes forms according to where you are and what kind of church it may be. God intended us to have a heart-to-heart -heart fellowship. And that's where faith begins. How many hear me? And it was really cool. I mean, God really showed off this weekend with the men. We, you know, we were kind of in fear and trembling, so to speak, starting this thing like, okay, how's this going to be? But, uh, but God really messed with the hearts of men this weekend. We heard from Francis Chan, Andrew Womack, just had a number of videos we watched. It was really, really awesome. And God began to deal with our hearts because, because faith, come back to faith. Faith is of the heart. Faith is of the spirit. Jesus said something here, and I've mentioned this verse a number of times in Mark 11. Kenneth Hagin did not write Mark 11. Jesus spoke this. But nonetheless, Jesus said, Have faith in God to his disciples, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And then this phrase, and does not doubt in his heart. That's the only time he mentioned doubt. It's the only time he mentioned heart. But believes those things he says will be done. He will have what he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. You will have them. We've talked about that for weeks. Then a little caveat he added at the end. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. So, you know, the indication there is that if the heart's not right, the faith won't work. And so there's something about the heart that God wants. He holds our hearts in his hand. In fact, uh, the spirit, everything that we do. In fact, uh, Proverbs, Solomon in Proverbs 3, uh, uh, 4, 23, guard your heart with all diligence. Some translations say vigilance. I think Amplified says above all that you guard for out of it, that is out of your heart, out of the innermost part of you, Flow the issues of life. Life starts on the inside. When we're born again, how many know the Holy Spirit? He didn't come and dwell in your head or in your foot or in your elbow. No, he comes where he, he comes to the seat of human personality, and that's the human spirit. Uh, Psalmist said, uh, 
Where's that? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, it's in Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man. None of this is in the notes, Sean, sorry. <laughs> the spirit of man, is, I get to praying and all this comes out. The spirit of man is the lamp, the candle, the light bulb. You could use any of those terms, perhaps interchangeably. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. He said belly there because he's talking about the fact that the core part of us is what God looks at. The spirit of man. Uh, again, Proverbs says the spirit of man will sustain his infirmity. Proverbs, I think, 18, 14. The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit. Who can bear? Apostle Paul, he says, he says, I serve whom I, he said, God, my, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. Romans 1, 9. He's talking about serving God from the inside out. Peter said, let it be the hidden man of the heart. That's the spirit. And then, uh, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 4, though. The outward man, and any time the Scripture uses the term man, it's a generic term for humanity. Men and women are included. The spirit, uh, uh, though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. God deals with us, and God has a relationship with us, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. When the Holy Spirit comes, when you're born again, you know what He does? He changes your heart. In Romans chapter 2 talks about the circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh. And what is he saying? God takes our stony heart, Jeremiah said, and he would turn it into a heart of flesh. God deals with us from the inside out. So, so faith is of the heart. Faith starts on the inside. Faith is an inward confidence that you have that what God said about you and to you is 100% accurate, regardless of how you think, what you feel, what your outward person says. How many hear what I'm saying? Faith is of the human spirit. So we've got to be careful with our hearts. It's, really, it's not hard in, in life right now to harden your heart. In fact, uh, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 3, I don't think this is in your notes. I'll get it in the notes eventually, maybe. Hebrews 3 says this, Be careful, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Now, you know, you think about a lot of things that are evil. We know sexual promiscuity is evil, and we could talk about, you know, lying is evil, cheating is evil, murder is evil. You think about all these outward things that we term as evil, but see, God sees evil perhaps a little bit differently. Did you know God sees doubt as evil? Did you know God sees unbelief as evil? Because it's refusing to trust him and refusing to believe what he said. How would it make you as a parent? How would it make you feel if, uh, if your child came up to you and you say, what if I'm as the daddy? And my child comes up and says, well, I say, well, I love you. And y'all say, well, I don't believe it. Now, how would that make you feel? Man, I'm telling you, I got four kids. If any one of my kids said, I don't believe you love it'd break my heart. I don't believe you love me. I don't believe what you said. If I said, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to clothe you, feed you, help you go to school, take you where you need to go, help you have some fun, discipline you too, I'm going to love you to pieces, and they say, I don't believe you. Y'all, that would crush me to the core. Now, i got grandkids. If they come up to me and said, I don't believe you love me. 
what would that do to you? Oh, yeah, right? How do you think God feels when He said over and over, I love you. For God so loved the world. See, His love towards us is not based on conduct. It's not based on performance. We were talking to the men this week. Most of us only know a performance-based love. That is, I love you if you make straight A's. The parent, the father may say to his child, I love you if, I love you if, I love you if you keep your room clean, I love you if you do this and that, I love you if. No, God takes the if out, I love you. Amplify John three sixteen. for God so dearly loved and prized the world that he gave. Isn't that awesome? God so loved men, right? He just loves us. And that's the way it is. So we have a hard time often grabbing that concept here. So again, he says here, make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away you away from the living God. You must warn each other while it's still today that none of, then none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. What's the problem with sin in the life of a believer? Sin produces hardness. You've got a lump of clay, you take the water out, it hardens. And in the same way, you take, you, 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 take, you, you, you take the human heart and let it get into areas of disobedience and where, where it's doing its own thing independent of God, it becomes hard. And a hard heart cannot trust God. How many hear what I'm saying? So Jesus said here, whoever says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. So he's dealing with heart issues here. And then he also mentioned, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, Amplified says, let it drop, leave it, let it go, in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. So uh, I had an experience. I had known the Lord for a period of time. This is uh, over, I'd say this is over 40 years ago. I came to the Lord in the mid-70s, and uh, I'm a young man still. But, um, you know, for the first few months, it was like hip, hip, hooray, you know, everything's going my way. I'm on cloud nine, and uh, things are great. And, but I hit something and um, one day, and I, I was in church worshiping the Lord, and the worship wasn't the same. And I was reading the Word, and the, the Word wasn't the same. I say, God, what's going on here? There's, there's a disconnect here. I mean, and I'd just known the Lord for a little small period of time. I was raised religiously in a denominational church, so this fresh experience with God from the heart was something new to me. But here's what I found out. How many know you are spirit? You are a spirit being. You have a, a soul. You live in a body. That's a simplified way of saying it that the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, uh, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are spiritual beings, so we have a relationship with God in our spirit. That's the part he deals with. But the other two parts, they try to hijack the place that the spirit should have in our life, right? So the, so the soul, that includes your mind, your reasoning faculties. You can reason yourself away from a relationship with God. And your mind often tries emotions. Emotions will try to hijack your day. Is that true? 
Might have happened before you came to church today and you just came by faith because emotions were saying other things. And then the human will is so stubborn, so set on self. We talked about that during the men's meeting, didn't we? And, uh, you know, mind, emotions, will, they can hijack your relationship with the Lord. And then the physical body. If you don't constrain and put restraints on the physical body, it can hinder your fellowship with God. Yes or no? Because it has appetites that we allowed to grow before we knew the Lord. And some of them became, become unrestrained. And if you have unrestrained appetites, it'll mar the spirit. And it'll put a cloud over the spirit of man, or your spirit. It's not possible to have unclean physical habits and have a strong fellowship with God. How many hear me? Because it'll cloud it up. You hear what I'm saying? So the mind can hijack. For me, during that time, I say, God, what's, something's going on here. What is it? You know, let me just say, uh, sometimes God will play hide and seek. You ever had him do that to you? He'll hide so you will seek. Right? So he was doing that with me, and I said, God, what's the matter? The presence I've known, where is it? What's going on here? And um, here's what, here's what I, I saw. My soul rose up, my mind, my thought patterns. Now, here's what you got to know about God and your relationship with God. Number one, your parents mirror God to you. I mentioned it to the men. I taught Friday morning. I mentioned to the men the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, the Jews will quote this often. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then it says you'll talk about him when you walk by the way, when you get up, when you lay down, when you walk around, when you come back into your house. You're talking about God all the time. He said write stuff on your doorposts of your house. Put it on, I mean, put it where you can see. Think about God, talk about God all day. Why did God tell parents to do that? Because who you are and what you think about life is developed in your formative years. Psychologists say usually by age six, your personality is set. So what you think about you, what you think and how you relate to others, and how you relate to God is generally set by age six. Think about it. Next question. What kind of family were you raised in? Did you have an absent father by divorce or because he was just gone constantly or a physically present but emotionally absent father? Fathers and mothers mirror God because they're authority figures. But if you've ever been to... Uh, one of those places has got the mirrors that are all skewed, and you walk in one of them, you're real big and fat. The other one, you're real tall. Another one, you got a big head and a little body. You know what I'm saying. This messes up the... Well, see, that's, that's what often can happen when we're in a home that has dysfunction. And every home has a measure of dysfunction. Even mine. Because I'm imperfect. Right? And you got to be real about it. You got to be real about it. So, but nonetheless, fathers, generally speaking, that's why we're doing this thing with men. Fathers generally show in your thoughts when you come to the scriptures and you read the Lord's Prayer where Jesus said, and the Jews did not understand, he was an 
uh, he was a huge, um, menacing, amazing, overwhelming God. But Jesus said, our Father. When you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. It's different. They couldn't envision God being like a father, having a father's heart, and having a father's love. So often when you, you even think the word father, I often hear people pray, and when I first came to the Lord, I was 18, I'd be in church and we'd have prayer meetings and people say, Father God. I never heard people say that. People said, Dear God, in the church I went to, but they said, Father, I said, Father God, Father God, Father God, I come in Jesus' name. I said, Father God, Father God, really? So here's what happened to me. My mind hijacked me. Listen, I'd been in God for a while, and I just couldn't connect inside. I said, what's up? But the word Father grasped me. Now, my father died seven years ago. I did my father's funeral. That was hard. Uh, I mentioned this to the men this weekend. Um, I learned a lot about life. My dad and Superman went, were on the same plane, okay, to me. As a little boy, because uh, I thought he could do anything. He was the ultimate protector. He was the ultimate man. He taught me how to fight and stand my ground. And I watched him when people challenged him. He basically said, don't come any closer. He knew, well, anyway, I won't get into it. He knew jujitsu. All I need to say, he was in Korea in the war. Just a man, a man's man. Taught me how to love to treat my mother, how to treat women, how to love my wife, how to, how to deal with money, how to be frugal, how to be honest, how to live life in an honorable way. When I was young, I had some experience with, with my dad. and when, In his younger years, I mean, he honestly had an anger issue. I didn't know it. And he did a couple of things a couple of times that kind of marred all of this other good. And when I thought of father, when I thought of father, my emotions said, be careful around father. Be careful around father. He got angry with me. I was riding my trike one day, my tricycle. <laughs> and he got angry with me because I almost ran over a, a cement uh, walkway that he had just poured. He got really angry. And then, uh, you know, you can set the clock at what time he came home from working at DuPont Nemours and Company, 20 minutes till 5 every day. My mother always had the supper ready, 20 minutes till 5 every day. And we ate at about 10 minutes till 5 every day. You get it? <laughs> so, and then, I mean, this is habit. Finish eating, he goes to his favorite chair, he sits down in his chair, he holds up the Florence Morning News. I'm from Florence, South Carolina. He's reading that paper. I just saw my dad for the first time at, lunch, at, at, at uh, supper, but I want some daddy time, so I'm... Boo! And I landed right in the middle of the paper. Wrong thing to do. Yeah. Don't ever do that to my paper again. It went in about four different directions. You know what I learned? I love my daddy. He loves me, but don't cross him. If you do something wrong, better look out. You get it? And I see that effect in my relationship with the Lord. And I was in my late teens. I said, God, well, I don't know what to do with this. 
I don't know how this happened to me. When I first came to the Lord, I'd, I'd go in my room still going to college. I was in my parents' home to save money. You know, I, I'd eat my supper, go to my bedroom, shut the door. When I first came to the Lord, open my Bible and just read. Then I had a piece of carpet on our tile floor. And I, I sit on, I get on that carpet and put my forehead and my face on that carpet and my butt up in the air and I pray. And I say, God, whatever you need to do inside me, I need you to do it here, just me and you. And I can remember going in that room when, uh, when God was playing hide and seek. I said, God, what's up? And you know what he showed me? I held an offense toward my father. Because also, although he was a good provider, he was a good model, for some reason, emotionally, I was disconnected from him. Because I held a judgment when he treated me the way he did when I hit the paper and it fell to the ground. And when my tricycle almost ran over the cement. I mean, it crushed my heart when he responded the way he did. And I held on to it. I didn't mean to hold on to it. How many know people treat you a certain way? You don't mean to hold on to it. See, Jesus said, if you have anything against anyone, let it go. Let it drop. See, when I, I hear let it drop, Amplified said that. Open your hand. It falls. You're holding on to it. I didn't realize in my soul I was holding on to hurt, loss, pain through my life. I've talked to a lot of men and women holding on to hurt, loss, pain, judgments. Because daddy or mama weren't what they needed to be for you. Daddy wasn't there. Mom and dad divorced. Dad was abusive. This happened, that happened. I was on my own. I felt lonely, many people have told me. Because mom and dad, they didn't know how to get over what happened to them when they were young. And the cycle continues, the scripture says, to the third and fourth generations. How many hear me? There's something about dealing with your, the, the father issues in your life. Until you deal with your father issues, there's a level in God you'll never get to because your, your mind will keep you out of it. And your mind will hijack your heart. How many hear me? So God kind of hid from me. I got into my bedroom. My forehead was on that blue carpet in my, in my bedroom. My butt's up in the air. I'm sucking rub. I'm saying, God, what is it? I saw that image. See, you think in pictures. I saw myself on that tricycle. I'm two, three years, three years old. I saw what happened. I saw what he said. I saw myself flying into the paper. And I saw how it affected me. I remembered how I felt. And I heard God say, you've got to give it up. I said, oh, yeah. Give it to me. So I took that and I said, God, I don't think my dad meant to be that way. You know, my dad was the, uh, he'd come up during the Great Depression. That's a hard time. My dad had a hard life. They just barely subsisted during the Great Depression. I could tell you lots of stories. So I can't judge my father, but I've judged my dad because of what he did. And it's hindering me with you. So I said, I said, right with my nose on the carpet, I said, Father, I make a choice right now. Forgive me 
for holding offense towards my dad with what he did to me. Forgive him. I forgive him. Lord, I've blamed my dad all these years. Unconsciously, I never even understood why. Sometimes with authorities, I would be kind of sheepish and shy, and I couldn't figure out why. It's because of that experience I had with my own father. And then with God, when I called God Father, see, that cloud came up. When I said, God, I make a choice today, regardless of how I feel, I forgive my daddy. I never went to him because he didn't realize. And you know, when you do this, you don't need to go back unless they're open to do it. I never talked to him about this because that, this was a hard issue between me and my heavenly father. Now, if he had to come to me, that's another thing. But I had to deal with God and I had to deal with me. How many know you can't p keep people from hurting you? I got a whole series on relationships. I've just got a mind to start after Easter. You can't keep people from treating you a certain way. You're not responsible for that. But what we are responsible for is how we respond. Yes or no? So I made a choice that day on my face, God. I'll no longer hold this towards my daddy again. I hold no offense. I forgive him for the tricycle experience. I forgive my daddy for the, for the newspaper time. I forgive my daddy. I could say other things. I forgive my daddy. I let it go. When I did, y'all, when I did, the mirror straightened out. God became Father. One of the guys just mentioned to me this morning, he may be judge to the sinner, God to the world, but he's Father to me. And by God became Father. And y'all, it affected me. Some of you got some heart things, seriously. If I did, I know other people do. I had to deal with my heart. And that created a hardness, a crustiness. I'd go so far. I've been pastoring. I've been in ministry since 1981. You have no idea how many times I've seen people go so far in God, but they won't go any further. The stats are when I'd go to these church conferences and such, out of all the people, I don't care if the church has 50 people or 5,000 or 50,000, only one-third of the people really get involved. Two-thirds don't across the board. Why? And here's what I've seen as a pastor over and over and over. I love everybody in our church, but you know what? And I usually will never say a word. But what I know, there are persons that will limit God because for whatever reason, they haven't been willing or didn't know to deal with the issues that hindered their relationship with God their Father. How many hear me? Until you do that, there's a level that you won't get to, and God wants you to go there. How many hear what I'm saying? I was, uh, boy, this is, we were in the shopping center. We've been in four places. This is our fourth location since I've been here. We were in the shopping center location, the second location. This is the late 90s. And a man come to me. He had been an alcoholic, and he had been diagnosed with liver cancer. Terrible. And I talked to this man week after week. His wife and children came to our church. He did not, but he began to attend because it was a serious, obvious diagnosis, a death diagnosis. And I, he come in, and I began to talk to him, began to minister to him. He came to the Lord. He made Jesus Lord. I was excited about it. They kept talking to him, but I could tell there was something going on. I couldn't get through. Tried to pray for him to be healed. There was something block. And you know what we did? 
we sent him, Kenneth Hagin was alive at the time, Rama, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He had a prayer and healing school Monday through Friday. And people with terminal conditions, often with cancers, were instantly healed that week. I said, you know what? I love you so much. We're going to pay your way to go. Hotel room, wife goes with you, pay for all your food, pay for your travel, and you can go there and sit in prayer and healing school for one week. We did that. He went. They ministered to him one-on-one-on-one. On one on one. And uh, he came back. He be- continued to decline physically. He's not doing well. The cancer became very, very serious in later stages. I'm sitting with him when the Applebee's was opening Garner on 70. I'll never forget. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting in a booth. I'm talking to this man. And I'm thinking inside me, God, I love this man. I'll, you want this man to be healed. And I mentioned his name. I said, uh, there's a block. And you know what he said to me? And I said, I said, there's a block. And it feels like there's something between you and your daddy. And it's keeping you from God and his healing power. When I said that, this is not a good analogy. It's like popping a pimple. Yeah. Man, he began to cry and weep. Because there were father issues. And he sat across the table from said, I can't go there. I performed his funeral. I'm thankful he went to heaven. But his heart issues, his father issues, got in the way. Yours may not be that serious, but I'm telling you, heart issues can get in the way of the exercise of faith. So if you've been stumbling, life has been challenging, and you've been going in circles, so to speak, this may be something you want to check up on because faith begins in the spirit, in the heart. How many hear what I'm saying? Sin causes our heart to be crusty, and it's sin to hold offense. In fact, how many know that God forgives and cleanses sin? I began, after I dealt with my heart issues uh, with, with my father, I began to go to the scriptures where, where God just showed, it, showed his love. And I would read them. I don't have time. We're about out of time. And you'll have to read the last points yourself because I don't even have time to go there. But Psalm 103, I love this. I've read this over and over thousands and thousands of times, just as slowly as I'm about to read it. And it did something to me on the inside. Because I needed to see not God as not the harsh, dictatorial, demanding, you better do it or you're going to hell person that I thought he was. You know, I watched Fred Flintstone when I was a little boy, and I thought God had Fred Flintstone's club right in his hand. And he was ready to swap me one if I got out of line. You know, I really did. Anyway, Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry. Filled with unfailing love. It's hard to get past that. I've read that. Stop. The Lord is compassionate. Whoa, compassion. Merciful. Disposed to show favors. Wow. Slow to get angry. I thought he was quick to get angry. See, I I, I related him to my father who was quick to get angry. Slow to get angry. And filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. 
If you've got an accusing voice in your head, it's not God your Father. The Holy Spirit, when He convicts of sin, did you know He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't get on you that way. He doesn't accuse you. He woos you away in love. And He basically says, that's going to hurt you. That's going to hurt you. He'll let you make the choice. That's going to hurt you. That's going to mar you. That's going to hurt you. Come this way. That's going to hurt you. Come this way. But he doesn't accuse. Who do you think you are? God never comes with an accusatory tone to any of his kids. If you've got an accusing tone, it's the voice of the enemy trying to dog and hinder your relationship with Jesus. How many hear me? Nor remain angry forever. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not harshly deal with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is great, as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. <laughs> He's removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. That's an incalculable distance. Once you head east, you'll never head west. It's infinitum. It's never ending. You're always east. That's how far he's removed our sins. Now, my personality is an accusing personality. I mean, you know, I'm my worst critic. If I don't do everything, if I don't dot every I and cross every T and do it just right. I lambast myself. And when I was first in ministry, Mondays were my worst days because I thought of everything I shouldn't have said on Sunday and then all the stupid things I did say and I'd cut myself to the ground. And I found out God won't do that. I did that. I had to learn to break that mental habit. How many hear me? If you've got that mental habit, you need to break it because God, your Father, bottom line, loves you i never forget first time jonathan our firstborn was born i was right there i could have called him when i grabbed him in my hand i wept because that's bone of my bones that's flesh in my flesh that's a product of susan and i love i love that boy i love that boy There's not anything he could do to keep me from loving him. Those are the first thoughts I had with my first child. Those are the thoughts that God has towards you. Don't let them get masked. How many hear what I'm saying? The Lord is like a father, verse 13, to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Isn't that awesome? I got a lot more to say, but I'm close. Where's your heart? What can keep us from his love? Joshua wrote that song a couple of years ago. No height, no depth, nor any other created thing is able to separate us from the love of God. But your thoughts can. The hurts and pains held on can. But you can let them go. Mm -hmm.